0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies and another edition of Mondays with Mando. Rob and I are here again uh, getting ready to talk about The Mandalorian and the episode titled The Jedi, which has, again, huge implications on the Star Wars universe and has really brought in many forms of media to start crafting this story that we have before us. So as always with these episodes, Rob's with me. Rob, welcome back. And there's so much to talk about here that I'm going to have you get started with our two minute warning portion, um, which is spoiler free before we start diving heavy into everything, because there's a lot to talk about in this episode.
1: There's a lot to talk about. And once again, um, The Mandalorian provides us with another episode that just keeps everything moving in terms of, of the entertainment value of this show. There's... Um, there's not been an episode when you think about we're like a season and a half in right now. And if you're going to do a rewatch of uh, just run through the whole series again, the way people do with with many TV shows that they love, there's there's whole seasons that people will skip of certain shows. There's one or two episodes here and there of most shows that you can think of that you've watched every episode of where if you're going to start from the beginning and do a rewatch, eh, I'll skip that or I'll fast forward through this part or that. Nah, I wasn't really into this, this, you know, story arc. So I'll probably skip two or three episodes. There's not one in the Mandalorian yet that I would skip if I was doing a rewatch and it, it's just continuing to draw interest of each new character they give us and our two main protagonists of, of Mando and, and baby Yoda more on that later, by the way, when we get out of the uh, two minute warning uh, and get into the actual spoilers, um, you know, we continue to see some development of those two in their relationship with each other. This episode here probably gives us the most of anything we've seen so far of where the status of that relationship is. Um, It's, it really is a very compelling, great time. Um, Definitely some very heavy Kung Fu movie vibes this week. We have kind of a single warrior defeating a whole army, the set design, um, one of the main characters in this week's episode is actually the goddaughter of bruce lee oddly enough um there's a giant gong there's certain camera shots we have a corrupt magistrate involved all of these are straight out of hong kong cinema from you know from the the bruce lee era and, and forward um just really enjoyed it loved it on the first watch through um loved it just as much on the second watch through and i would anticipate if i rewatch this episode in the future um i would enjoy it just as much
0: yeah i did not expect to see what we uh what we saw in this episode right off the bat this episode really just starts and it's okay here we go um The title is kind of self-evident of what supposedly is going to happen, who we're going to see, and we don't waste a lot of time with that. Um, There's also a lot of, again, tie-ins to not only the movie universe, but it really feels like this story is really capitalizing on several other aspects of Star Wars lore, such as the show's. Um, and books with the introductions of some characters that we get in this episode. And and I'm interested to see because it it definitely seems like everything that they're introducing to me in The Mandalorian is not going to be contained to The Mandalorian. So I, I get a feeling that we might be seeing some other shows spin off of all the ideas that they are using because clearly they are not afraid to continue stories that happened in the TV shows, Clone Wars and Rebels. They're not afraid to introduce characters that have been in the, in the novels that star Wars has produced. And there's some really great content. And Rob and I have mentioned this before it pretty much with star Wars as a TV show right now on Disney plus they have full support for me to go in whatever direction they want and introduce whoever they want, because I just, I cannot believe how good this show is from episode to episode. So I love this episode. That's my two minute warning on it, because just like last episode, I'm very eager to get into spoilers. So for anybody listening, if you have not watched this episode yet, This is the time to pause this episode, go watch it, and come back because we are getting into straight spoilers for episode five um, titled The Jedi. And the first spoiler is as soon as this show opens, we get Ahsoka Tano. I did not expect that, but you get her in basically all her glory, lightsabers using the force. And it's really cool because when she first appears in this show, you actually get her theme, well, her and Anakin's theme that is a, that shows up in the Clone Wars, which was really cool to hear that subtly in the background, especially for me. Um, they just start right out of the gate with this character, no build up, and just boom, here she is, let's get started.
1: You know, we had talked in previous uh, weeks of of the recap show that um, we hadn't really seen set photos, right? We didn't know what uh, Rosario Dawson was going to look like as this character. And um, I did not have not seen Clone Wars or Rebels yet. I know you have. Um, But when I first saw her and saw what a a great job they did uh, making a live action character look just like, the animated version, I, I'm pretty sure you were satisfied with what you got, right?
0: Yeah, I was extremely satisfied with uh, Ahsoka. I know there's a little bit of it, some of the fans I, I've already heard they were a little bit um, upset that her headdress, um, which is a natural part of her body, uh, her tails in the shows are longer because they grow as they age and in this timeline they should be significantly longer than what they are but the reason why this show doesn't have them like they did at the end of rebels is strictly because of her being able to maneuver around so it's a small little detail that i'm kind of surprised that i've heard as many people as i have like complain about but in terms of look it's perfect. Like I was really skeptical about how she was going to look. And for me, I think they nailed it. It was really cool to see lightsabers on this, this show, because I was wondering how they're going to look. The sound of them felt very authentic the fighting style um, with lightsabers felt very authentic for me in terms of star Wars. It, to me, they nailed everything. Her costume is on point. I was blown away by her look and it, I, I don't know. I've just never really thought about this until the show. Uh, Rosario Dawson has a, a really good presence and you can talk about it in comedy movies. Cause I've seen her in a lot. She Definitely has an on-screen presence and it, it really helped.
1: Yeah, and I was really thinking that, especially on my second watch through, that wow, I am really glad they chose like an A-list Hollywood, you know, headliner for this role because it works so well. It's to have an experienced actor on there who we recognize who, who knows how to command and, and really has that on-screen charisma um it really mattered for especially for a character who is so beloved by the fan base as ahsoka um this could have been uh, a miss had they not gotten the casting right um you know you were mentioning that uh, fans weren't really thrilled with the length of the of the headdress piece um you know, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but you really just can't make Star Wars fans happy, right? Like, there's nothing <laughs> that is universally hated by people who love it anything more than Star Wars is. Like, nobody hates it more than people who are major fanboys of it and, and fangirls as well. Um, the the one thing I will say, not having seen Rebels or Clone Wars, I noticed it. Um, my wife had actually watched this separately from me and she noticed it too, and it bothered both of us, but the headdress really looked like. Like there was like, it looked like it's made of just foam with like creases in it. And it was kind of distracting for both of us. Um, but that's, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it bothered anybody else. But to me, it just looked like it was a creased piece of, of like solid foam. Um, and it was, it was kind of distracting. Uh, but right out of the gate, holy cow, you're right. The lightsaber battle we get right out of the way. Um, there's really not a lot of time in star wars film or tv where you really see a force user just absolutely kicking ass with the force and lightsabers i mean you see battles you see one-on-one duels and things like that but you rarely see with the one main exception is is when you get darth vader in in uh, Rogue One, where he just shows up and just slaughters everybody. Um, it's kind of on that level, right? There's there's not a lot of other times I could think of where you see a Force user um, get to do what Ahsoka does at the beginning of this, and that's just slay everybody around her um, using her lightsabers, using the Force, and it just feels the way that it does.
0: Yeah, it, it was really great to see this on screen because they they nailed it again this show feels like star wars with everything that they do and it's becoming i'm wondering almost though with you know you mentioned here that you have not watched clone wars and you have not watched rebels i'm wondering how far it's going to go because it's getting so heavily tied if they're almost leaning too much into it for some fans for me, no, it doesn't seem like it's that way for you. Um, but the direction they seem to be going in, it seems like you have to either go on and probably get some cliff notes about who some of these characters are and what's happening because they're starting to lean extremely heavily into the clone war show and specifically rebels now. And some of the, Uh, stories that were left up in the air when that show ended. So I am a little bit curious as to how far they're going to go and if it's going to maybe turn casual fans, um, not against the show, but if it's going to start confusing some people about who some of these characters are.
1: So if anybody does get confused, the best thing they could do is listen to our breakdown show because we will explain who all of these people are. We will tie all of this together for you in our Easter egg segment, so no worries there. Um, I had a very similar feeling to you watching this episode. Last week, specifically, we talked about how it seems like the Mandalorian is sort of the thread that weaves the whole Star Wars universe together. Um, specifically as, as it relates to some of the Easter eggs and, and some of the overt, you know, direct this character was in this, this character was also in this uh, kind of moments. But when you really start seeing um, on, you know, chapter 13, the Jedi, how much they are pulling in, um, we'll get to it kind of at, at the end of this episode with, with where uh, Mando and, uh, and his charge are headed next. Um, we're, I believe it could be tying into characters that we that we know from the original trilogy, potentially. Um, I have a fear that I don't really think I have anything to substantiate this fear, but it almost kind of reminds me of when DC decided to kick off their cinematic universe. They, they give us Batman v Superman, the dumbest name of all comic book movies ever, and they, they introduce a new Batman. They introduce Wonder Woman. They introduce Lex Luthor. They introduce Doomsday. They kill Superman. Like they do all of this in the span of one movie. And it felt like it was just too much. Like they were trying to do too much. They were trying to introduce too much. They didn't take their time to set it up. I, I worry a little bit, uh, just a tiny little bit. like I mean like 2% that Mandalorian might be trying to do too much. That when it started off, one of the things we liked about season one was that it didn't it was its own story it had nothing to do with the skywalker saga it didn't really have anything to do with those characters these were just people in another part of the galaxy they were maybe influenced slightly by some of those events uh, certainly the you know the major events that happen have a, have a ripple effect across the whole galaxy but these these characters weren't really tied into it this season it really seems like they are starting to get themselves involved heavily Uh, are about to get themselves involved heavily in those events that they kind of avoided up to now. I worry a little bit, are they going to try to do too much? However, week after week, like we've been saying, the show just provides such great quality entertainment and, and storytelling and, and what they're doing with these characters. Um, they've, they've earned credibility with me. Do, do as you will.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we've, talked here for several several minutes and this episode is so deep that we haven't really even we've talked about the first essentially 5 minutes of this episode um and what happened so that just shows you how much this episode actually entails which is incredible cuz again it just the way that they fit everything into these runtimes to me is so unbelievable how everything just It flows with incredible smoothness. Nothing seems out of place. Nothing seems dragged on. Everything hits from point to point to point, which is incredible. Um, But, you know, we know that Mando was looking for Ahsoka. And Mando eventually ends up on this planet where Ahsoka is trying to overthrow Ahsoka. the leader of this planet because she's imprisoning and killing its townspeople, but Mando's task with killing Ahsoka and he's off to find her, which is Rob, where I don't know if you have maybe softened a little bit, but we get a big revelation again here when these two meet after a very, very brief encounter and fight scene between the two main characters of the of this episode, um we get to learn baby yoda's actual name based on interaction with ahsoka and rob and i talked about this when the episode aired and at the initial outset we have two very different feelings about this but rob you actually called this in the last episode that you were wondering how quickly we would get this because it feels like that's the direction we're going. And sure enough, it was one episode later. So why don't you talk about this first and your feelings on what happened here with the reveal that, you know, Ahsoka was communicating with also call him baby Yoda at the moment. And she (laughs) understands what, um,
1: you know, what he's thinking. So, um, on, on the last, you know, Mondays with Mando show, um, I, I suggested that uh, we would probably get Baby Yoda's real name or at least his, his race name fairly soon at some point because it felt weird that Mando never came up with a nickname for him um, like most parents do for their kids. And I felt like that was kind of the marketing people saying, no, 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 we don't want to confuse things. Obviously, we're calling him the child, but we're not going to give him any other nicknames or anything other to confuse people so we can market this character properly and the merchandise around him um, when we eventually give him a real name. And we find out that Baby Yoda's real name is Grogu. And when, when she first said it, I went, what... Like, that's Baby Yoda's name, Grogu. Uh, as it went, I felt a little better about it. And I think, I think on, and especially on my second watch, I've softened on it a little bit, partly because every time they say his name to him and his little ears perk up and he gets this cute little look on his face, like, I like that. So I think that has softened me a little bit on it. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like one of the iconic names of Star Wars that you can... You can list just name after name that just leap off the tongue and it has a, a feel to it, you know, like Han Solo. You know immediately who that is. Um, Chewbacca, we know who all of these characters are. Grogu. Uh, I don't know. I'm not i am still not sold on the name.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, for whatever reason, um, when it was said, and maybe it's because of, I don't know. When you listen to Rosario Dawson, um, you know, as Ahsoka say it, it, she's got sort of a softness to how she says it. Um, Almost like you would call like your pet. You know, it's, she talks, you know, she says his name like he's still a child, even though he's 50 years old. So I don't know, like when I hear it during this episode, it doesn't really... It doesn't bother me. And for whatever reason, I just feel like it makes sense that that's his name. I can't really explain it, but I'm just like, yeah, I guess if they named him, like, really, what else would his name be? And that sounds weird because it's, you know, we didn't get any other, like, well, we've potentially thought of naming him this or this. I do think that we will not hear that name. Every single episode, I feel like it's almost only going to be when Mando really needs him to kind of pay attention and focus because he still, even after he knew his name, called him kid. Um, So I think that's more of like, you know, a a father son thing where, you know, Rob, I don't know about you, but I, I don't call my kids by their name every single day that I talk to them. Um, and, and I feel like that's kind of what we're going to get with Mando um, here, where he's not going to just continually say that, you know, say that name in these episodes.
1: Um, I think you're absolutely onto something. I think you might see it. It almost sounded kind of like foreign coming off of Mando's tongue, right? It didn't, it didn't really seem like he was comfortable with the idea. Cause to him, Baby Yoda was just kid you know, to him, that was, it was kid. That, that's, that's what he did. Um, but there's also a moment later on in this episode and we'll, and we'll get to it. It's, it really tugs at the heartstrings. He calls him buddy and that's mm-hmm. the first time he had done that. And it, it, I think it, and you know, kind of jumping the gun a little bit. It really meant something when he did that. Um, I, I felt a certain emotion at that. Um, but yeah, it, it, um, I, I, too, will go whole days without actually saying my kids' real names to them. I, it's usually one of the 57 nicknames I have for each of them. Um, and, or if they're in trouble, it could be something completely different altogether. Um, right. but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. We we might not see Mando necessarily use that unless it's, unless it's for a reason. Um, I don't expect, by the way, that all of the Baby Yoda meme pages that are dominating social media right now to change their name to, you know, Grogu page or, or fan page or anything like that i i really don't expect it i i i fully anticipate the internet will still refer to him as baby yoda um i i yeah i don't see that changing anytime soon.
0: yeah um you know one of the things too that you you talked about is it's interesting now too because we know more so you know we don't know a ton But, again, this seems to be the show that is just tying this entire huge, expansive universe together. And now we know that supposedly, and I'm just going to keep referring to him as Baby Yoda, he was part of this prequel trilogy era. He was there, um, according to Ahsoka, because as she's communicating with him, again, name drops, he was in Coruscant at the Jedi temple. Who was he with? You know, he's if Jedi were training him. So, was that council training him with Yoda and Mace Windu? Was Anakin aware of him? Is Obi-Wan aware of him? Was Qui-Gon, if we for some reason see anything from Qui-Gon in the Obi-Wan series? Um who who knows about this character? Who trained him? And also, too, who took him? Because it's clearly stated somebody took him away when, you know, Order 66 was executed. He survived this turn from the clone troopers. So who took him and who was able to, you know, who was able to save him, but also, too, Why does his future turn dark after that? Why did this person not stay with him? It's just so fascinating to see how much of these movies now, when a lot of them seemed really disconnected, especially, you know, some of the things where we're going, okay, the empire fell, but then the first order came to power. You know, where were all these things in between? It's really looking like these connective tissues are really, really coming together in a way that I did not think we were going to see.
1: It's it's going to be interesting if all of Star Wars, every piece of Star Wars fiction, film, comics, TV, games, novels, all of it gets tied together by a bounty hunter who fell in love with an asset that he was supposed to turn over. That's the thing that pulls all of it together. Wouldn't it be crazy if it was just about these two characters that really, you know, like the rug and the big Lebowski really tied it all together. (laughs) Um, You know, wouldn't it be wild if that's, if that's what it was. Um, There's so many avenues that your brain could go down in trying to come up with theories and trying to predict what will happen next, just based on, the simple fact that Ahsoka reveals Grogu was there at the temple. He was around for it. Holy cow. That's a story that I want to see. Um, so I made a prediction in the last episode that came true. So I'm going to go ahead and predict now that you and I, Matt, are both going to hit Powerball by the time the next episode rolls around. I'm going to see if that, if that works uh, the same way it did last time. Um, I also, I'm kind of curious now. Wouldn't it be a great way to garner interest in an Obi-Wan series and give you a starting point to start that show. If it was Obi-Wan that saved Baby Yoda or recognized that he needed to get out of there because things were happening, um, wouldn't it be interesting if somehow he was involved in that? And that's what starts the events of Obi-Wan's, you know, his own series. Um, I think that could be really interesting. Um, certainly it seems like, like poor Grogu has been passed around a lot. It, it seems like he he's looking just, maybe that's why he latches on to Mando so much because he's just looking for somewhere to belong. He's been passed around. He's been taken. He's probably been kidnapped multiple times. We don't really know what brought him to the place that Mando found him. We don't really know why he's there, but it's certainly well protected. And we, and we know from what Quill tells him that lots of people have been coming through there. This one asset, this target has been causing a lot of issue for Quill and everybody else on that planet. Clearly there's a lot going on there. It's heavily defended for a reason. There are people interested in him for a reason. Um, And this poor little guy just wants to eat cookies and frog eggs and just be picked up and hugged. Like that's really all he wants. And he wants his little shiny ball to play with. And, uh, and for some reason, people just won't leave them alone.
0: Case- yeah, it's um, you know, I was thinking that, and maybe this is what you said. Maybe I just, uh, you know, I just kind of interpreted it a little bit differently. I was thinking that that might be the way. It definitely Obi Wan. This could be how his show started. But I was thinking, would Obi Wan be the one because Ah, Ahsoka will, you know, part of this episode too, Ahsoka says she's not going to train him um, because one of his attachment to Mando, it gives him fear, which when she states, I've seen, you know, a Jedi who has gone down this path before, uh, tying into Clone Wars and seeing their relationship that she had, it's very clear she's talking about Anakin that was a really strong moment for me because I thought if you know their history from the clone wars and rebels, you can see like the pain on her face that she still remembers what happened to Anakin um, and his turn from the Jedi and, you know, turning into Darth Vader. That was a really good scene for me as to why she will not train. But also when she says, take him to the Jedi temple If someone can sense his presence, maybe they'll come. Um, So, if it wasn't Obi-Wan who took him and hid him, maybe it's Obi-Wan who shows up. And maybe that's how we, that's our first introduction to Ewan McGregor in this universe as Obi-Wan and what's happened to him since um, Revenge of the Sith. And I think that would be amazingly cool to get an Obi-Wan appearance on this show right at the very end. He's the Jedi who actually comes to um to his presence.
1: Well it would be if he is, he'd be reaching out through the force though, right? Because this is after this takes this takes place five years or so after Return of the Jedi. So would they use Ewan McGregor the way that they used um Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi? You know, even though they they replaced the actor who who was originally Anakin Skywalker at the end. Right. And I've always hated that, by the way, I've, I've always hated that. There was no reason to insert Hayden Christensen there. And I've, I've heard the fan argument. Well, that's the last time that Anakin Skywalker was Anakin before he became Darth Vader. No, it's dumb. Like, no, not, not interested. It was just Lucas screwed around with his own movies in a way that didn't need to happen. And by the way, Han shot first, I will accept no other arguments. Um, yeah i don't know um it it would right. be interesting to see
0: uh, right cuz in terms of the char- like in terms of the characters in in return of the jedi like they don't know what the hell that kid looks like like seriously right. they, <laughs> they, they've never they, seen him before it's not like there's polaroids in the star wars universe they have, <laughs> so they have no clue right. who this freaking kid is that just all of a sudden would magically appear on screen you know to them as a as a force projection um Yeah. Hi
1: dad, you're the same age as me. Like this is weird.
0: Yeah, Lucas, you know, it's he just oh my god, he just you know, he's an example of trying to tie things together that don't need to be. We're we're talking about how the Mandalorian ties these these movies and you know, these novels and things all together nicely. Lucas's vision to try and tie his ideas together really goes off the rails with the special editions and everything else. It's just, it it does not work for a lot of the things that he tried to, to put together. Um, it just because it's
1: not exactly like it's not exactly like fans were begging for things to be fixed about the original trilogy it's not exactly like there's a list of grievances about the way the original trilogy was presented that people want him to go back and fix we're not talking about the snyder cut of justice league here we're like there's a lot that needs to be gone back and, and right done properly it's the movies were fine in, in the way they were presented originally um it, you know we were kind of talking about it. I I don't really understand what exactly the Jedi's criteria is to be trained because if you have the ability, you, you are force sensitive, you show, you demonstrate that you can use the force. They still say no. And it's, and I just don't understand, like, I, I saw this here, and I saw it in, in The Phantom Menace. It's very strange to me that they would just rather these Force-sensitive people who at least have a little bit of ability, they would just almost rather them run rampant and just be left to their own devices and be out there with the ability to use the Force and no training and how to channel it properly. It almost feels irresponsible of the Jedi, Um to not try to take in everybody they could and provide them a framework and an, and an understanding of the responsibility of what this actually is, um, as opposed to just leave them out there for possibly the Sith to, to scramble up and be like, hey, kid, the Jedi turned you down. I'll teach you how to use it. Um, I've never really understood that. And it, and it kind of stood out to me very strangely in this episode, too. I, I understand like what you were talking about with Ahsoka not wanting to see another Force-sensitive being go down the path that Anakin went down, but wouldn't that give her more motivation to make sure and prevent that it happened? Uh, it's just it, all because he really likes his adopted dad. Like I don't know. Like it, it feels like you, if if the one thing that will keep a person from being trained in the Force is that you love your family, good luck finding anybody. Like it just kind of feels like a little bit of a plot hole to me.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think what could, you know, what would happen is why couldn't Mando, I don't know, maybe just stick around for a while and help. Um, there there are some things, and I said this in my review of like the Phantom Menace and everything, you know, Lucas to me in the prequel trilogy, he really makes the Jedi, to me, he, he just makes them look like idiots. Um, because, you know, everything is about like, oh, you can't love, you can't be sad. You can't have anger. You basically have to have a lobotomy. Um, but then, you know, there's in those prequel trilogies, you know, there's obviously Yoda. He's sad because you can see him like get sad because all of a sudden he can sense order 66. Well, wouldn't that mean that Yoda should turn to the dark side? Oh, he just felt sadness. Um, you know, it, yeah, it, it's weird sometimes how the Jedi are perceived and how they're talked about um, with what you are and aren't allowed to do. Um, so it just makes it seem like everybody would turn to the dark side, so to speak. So, But we have seen, you know, Groku get angry because he thinks something's happening to Mando. Um, you know, we saw it when he used the Force Choke because he was arm wrestling, so I think there's some you know, validity to the statement, but I also think sometimes the way the Jedi have been perceived, it's it's hard not to think of it as just like a, a plot device to move it from A to B, which is un- unfortunate because I think there's a, a lot there that could be worked with to make it a very strong connection and, and a very interesting reason not to train him.
1: You know, There's that whole line, fear leads to anger, anger leads to the dark side, or, or some permutation of that. I'm, I'm sure I'm not getting it completely right, but it just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's almost like that movie Equilibrium. If, if you haven't seen Equilibrium, I can't recommend that movie highly enough. It's uh, Christian Bale before he was in Batman. Um, And it's really cool. But the premise of the movie is that everybody has to take this pill that completely dulls your emotions. You don't have any emotional response to anything. You just kind of exist. No anger, no sadness, no happiness, no joy. Um, But everybody's kind of mellow and there's no wars and people don't kill each other anymore and it's supposed to be better. And that's almost how the Jedi are presented at times that they're intended to be. And it just doesn't really hold up when you start subjecting that idea to like a little bit of, of questioning it just, it really doesn't hold up. And I would have, it feels like at times the Mandalorian is being used to fix plot holes and other, other star Wars. Um, and I kind of wish they would have maybe sewn that one up a little differently.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly to me with some of the things that are happening. And we talked about it last episode uh, to me. Almost more so than any other movie, and maybe I'll be way off when it's all said and done. But it, and I don't know if it was intended this way or if they have just found a way to kind of make it, you know, stream flawlessly, so to speak, so far for me. It, the Mandalorian seems to really be almost trying to tie up the loose ends of the Rise of Skywalker because we're getting into cloning with they're taking you know baby yoda's blood and putting it into you know either force sensitive or non-force sensitive people there's a volunteer to get injected with his blood there's cloning tanks where you know rise of skywalker palpatine comes back and it's just it's a throwaway line of oh cloning the dark arts things only the sith knew oh okay yeah great um that explains everything thank you so much Uh, (laughs) but you know like oh yeah if, if it was that simple but it really seems like some of these things that talk about how they created you know you know palpatine says i made snoke but snoke clearly has force abilities is that because they were experimenting to get snoke from baby yoda's blood uh to me, it seems like the one movie that this show is really trying to fill the gaps in is Rise of Skywalker. And again, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I just really get that impression by what we're we're getting from this show in terms of cloning and, and trying to create Force-sensitive beings.
1: We'll see more as we get more into Moff Gideon's plan and who he reports to. Um, I think at this point, it is safe to say that Admiral Thrawn is involved with Moff Gideon. We we probably can assume they're working on the same project or or they're somehow collaborating together. Um, I I fully expect that to be revealed in in the coming weeks. Um, There's so much out there, um, just little drops here and there. I'm I'm very glad we finally got Ahsoka in this episode. Um, I can't imagine we don't see her again um i really hope that the next time she appears it's not like some deus ex machina device where mando's in big trouble and how is he going to get out and she just kind of shows up and saves the day kind of like how the um the uh, space cops did in uh in the ice uh cave when the spiders were trying to attack them and they showed up and saved the day i kind of hope that's not how she shows up again um i hope it's a little more intentional than that Um, because I really wanted to see what happened. I I really enjoyed her. Um, And I I really don't think you sign an actress like Rosario Dawson uh, to play a major fan favorite character um, if you don't intend to use her more than one episode.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't think that would be the case. And Rob, you mentioned um, this character just a moment ago. Now, I really thought when you know i again watching the clone wars and watching rebels i did not know how far they were going to start going down this rabbit hole of, of these shows and the plot points that are in them and the characters that are in them so when she said i'm looking for somebody you know uh, wh- where's your boss i thought okay she's just talking in this universe she's talking about moth gideon and the fact that we get the name drop of Thrawn, that really struck me. I was like, "Wow, they're like they're bringing this guy in too." Because in Rebels, he is he is the major player. He is a force in that show, and the novels that he's been in, they're spectacular i've been able to read those as i've you know started to branch more and more out to different novels from star wars um he, he's a major player in the star wars universe and i was like wow they are just they're going for it uh, i did not expect that name drop in this episode which again if if you watch rebels to me, the next logical step is she's looking for Thrawn because she's looking for another major character from Rebels, which is Ezra, which really opens up the door for a lot in Star Wars and maybe possible future shows because Ezra is connected to some pretty wild things that have happened in the Star Wars universe.
1: And I cannot wait to see all of it. Um, that, that last fight towards the end, I really did enjoy. Um, you know, we didn't really get a chance to talk much about the Imperial Magistrate, but um, that last fight at the end was, was really pretty good. Um, there was a lot of tension there. Um, I also enjoyed the standoff they had, kind of almost – Almost like the high noon standoff. It's really one of the yep. few Western sort of themes that we got for for this episode. The, the Jedi, um, you know, kind of that that quick draw, you know, situation that we have between Mando and um, uh, the character Lang. Who, by the way, if you're trying to figure out where you recognize him from, uh, that actor Michael Bean, um, you would have most likely seen him as Kyle Reese in Terminator One and T Two. Um, who becomes John Connor's father. Um, if, you, if you're trying to figure out where you recognize him from. Um, you know, that last scene was really very well done. Um, was, was loving every minute of it. Um, I will say this, though. Um, it's cool when she flips the lightsaber upside down and kind of holds it like dagger style. Um, but that's really not how swords work. <laughs> like it really, it, it might look cool, but um, there's a reason why every sword that's ever been invented by any human anywhere in the world it's always upright because that's that's sort of how the body works but it it looks cool and um and i just i loved every every fight scene that they did in this episode um the opening one like i said was really well done really cool um her attack on the town and taking out um the guards and things like that um really well done definitely has some elements of kung fu cinema you know that wandering warrior that's just like this total badass that can take out whole armies by himself or herself um and just really doesn't even break a sweat doing it um really enjoyed those those moments
0: yeah um yeah the, you know the fights were really well done uh especially the one with ahsoka that was really well done at the end i thought that had tension to it uh again just you know the lightsaber it felt it it, the lightsaber felt dangerous in this episode and there were times in you know certain uh movies uh it, it just didn't feel like a dangerous weapon but I don't know if it was the sound effects that it made. It sounded very heavy um, when Ahsoka turned hers on. It it just felt like, again, Star Wars. It felt like this was a weapon that should be feared in this universe where in some of these movies, it didn't seem to have the same luster that it did in this show, which was nice to see again. Um, I I liked that a lot
1: quick shout out though to the visual effects team the the glow of the white saber and the visual effects that they did really made you feel like this was a real object and that this was not just cg superimposed after the fact Um, i think that really had a lot to do with the fact that this really did feel like a dangerous weapon that you needed to respect
0: yeah yeah it was it was fantastic so you know i i think with this episode it's not I, I wouldn't call them when we get into our easter egg portion it it's not so much easter eggs but it's more how everything ties together with the name drop so i guess we can call it you know what we're going to get into with the easter eggs but Rob, I know for me, this movie with the rating system, or this movie, this show, it feels like a movie. It's just such high production value. This episode is easily five reels for me. To me, it is the best episode so far, which again says something because I have really liked every episode, but this one, again, just it takes it to another level with what we get in this episode, and I did not think they would be able to accomplish what they did in this episode in terms of the lightsabers, the fighting using the force. It's just, it's incredible. This episode hands down is the best of either season of the Mandalorian so far for me.
1: You know, I'd have to rewatch some of my favorites to, to be able to say whether or not I've got, this as my favorite, but if it's not number one for me, it's, it's certainly in a very close race, Um, easily five reels for me easily. Um, Incredibly rewatchable. Um, you introduce an animated character into a live action show. You nail it. You nail the look. You get so many elements right. Um, you get some dramatic moments. You get great fights. You get some very heartfelt moments. Um, it towards the end of this, um, when Mando goes back to the ship to get Grogu to bring him back to drop him off and complete his quest. There's a weight on him that he is not looking forward to this. Absolutely not. This, I mean, he's, he goes, he tries to wake him up. Um, I mentioned before, it's the first time he ever calls him anything other than kid, other than the few times, you know, he calls him Krogu. He actually says, Hey buddy, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there is a, a paternal love that is shown there. We've seen it in other cases of this show, especially in the second season. Um, certainly, I felt like the second episode of of this show was very, um, you know, it was very parental in its themes. Um, but we definitely saw Mando's heartbreak a little bit. I I feel like we heard Pedro Pascal's voice crack a little bit at times. You know, with the emotion of what he Mando was was understanding that he had to do Um, you know we get that moment at the end the cameras kind of pulled back a little bit but Mando is holding baby Yoda and just kind of rocking him the way that I did with my kids when they were babies and you don't need to have the TV on. You don't need to be looking at anything else. Just being able to do that in that moment, you know that those are moments as a parent. You're never going to get back. Once they grow up, you're not going to get to do that anymore. And you try to you try to savor them for as long as you can because you know you won't have them forever. Um, I, I read that in, in that scene when he's doing that because um, he knows he's about to hand over his companion, um, that he's for some reason, you know, over, over their adventures together, grown a fondness for, um, that he's not experienced with anyone other than possibly his own parents. Um, that scene really read to me, um, just uh, very strongly that there was a lot of emotion in that moment. Um, in, in that it was, it's like maybe a 10 second scene, a 15 second scene. Um, Matt, did you feel the same way when you saw
0: it? Yeah, it was, um, It definitely was, because I almost for a second there was like, wow, are they, like, hang on a second. Are they actually separating here? Um, Yeah, it it definitely hit me. Uh, And again, we, you know, Rob, we talked about it where it was episode three, where to me, we got the first real, you know, show of you know grogu is more than just an assignment to mando he really cares about him and and since that episode where he was genuinely concerned for his safety it has just gotten more and more and more apparent that he also might not want to deep down he might not want to separate from him he may want to just protect him as long as he can until somebody says he has to go. Um, y- y- it, again, you can just tell he really cares for him. It- it's, it's not an assignment really anymore. It is, it- he has to see this through, he has to protect him, or it's going to devastate him, I-, I-, I think.
1: And I think we saw him coming to that understanding when he believed that Ahsoka was going to um, take him away and begin his training and maybe their paths cross again in the future maybe they don't and maybe when they do they're not the same people anymore it doesn't it doesn't mean the same thing that it did um you know it's uh we've seen the same idea played with in in other films um it really works better here than anything else i can think of that that's telling a similar story
0: yeah absolutely um yeah, I just, man, I can't say enough about this episode. Everything about it works. It's just, it, it's incredible. The episode's incredible.
1: So I want to ask you real quick, we get to the end and she and she sends him on this quest to the Jedi Temple. When she says, you know, he will have a chance to sort of choose his path, maybe there will be another who will reach out through the force to him. Um, there's not a lot of Jedi left. I'm I'm really wondering, just based on time frame, could it be Leia that reaches out? Could it be Luke that reaches out? We've seen in Star Wars they have de-aged characters. They have done CG versions of characters who would have either been already dead um, or you know significantly older. We saw it certainly in Rogue One, uh, where, where one character is completely CG, or um, they had a, a CG version of um, of Leia. Um, and certainly we know in Rise of Skywalker, they had to get very creative with camera angles uh, because of the passing of, of Carrie Fisher. Um, could they do something similar here? Um, who, who is it that you think, just right off the top of your head, who might be reaching out through the force to him?
0: Well, I, I do think that it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be Ezra. I, I think that's who's going to show up. I'm not sure if they would. the The reason I don't think it could be Luke or Leia, even though the timeline does, it, it does add where they could essentially be the characters that would find him. I, I don't think way, I don't
1: think it's either of them either. Right? I, I don't think that's what they would be doing.
0: I, I think you could, but again, it seems to me like if that was it, whoever is showing up is more than a one-time deal. So for, for it to be Luke or Leia, to have them in maybe one episode, one scene, I don't think um, we would get that far. But I really think the, the character who's going to show up is Ezra, um, who was introduced in Rebels. I, I can't imagine, especially now that we know Thrawn is here and those two characters are so tied together and that's who Ahsoka is looking for. I really think it's going to be Ezra who really in terms of star Wars characters for me, from watching rebels and his story, it, he is one of my, I don't want to say top 10 because that's too long. he He's definitely like top six for me. Like he's probably number six on my Jedi list uh, of characters who I really think have incredible stories to tell. And he's only been on an animated TV show. So to me, that just shows how well he he was written in the show.
1: Um, I kind of feel like it'll it'll be something along those lines, especially this season. It does feel like they're pulling a lot of their material and their tie-ins from the animated shows. Um, I'm with you. It feels like that's probably the direction they're going to go. My only other like
0: actual guess as to who they might use. And this would be, it, it's not a huge stretch, but it would show how far they're willing to go to tie the universes together would be if they incorporated star Wars, the fallen order, um, the new game that came out into this universe, because there is a character in the main character of that game who could very easily, based on the timeline that that's set in, be implemented into this universe. So I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but I think maybe if they wanted to, they could tie in the video game characters into this timeline, which that was a very popular game and was really well-received by Star Wars fans. So that would be my second guess, but that's more of a, like... It could happen. I think it is Ezra, though.
1: You know, speaking of games, um, we, we do have um, an Easter egg that ties back into the greatest game um, in Star Wars, which, as we discussed on a previous episode, is Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, Matt, who is the best character in Knights of the Old Republic, without question?
0: Oh, Darth Bane is, to me,
1: Ah no, see it's HK, HK the assassin droid, and we Ooh. have a callback. Um, we have a callback. Um, he's he's my favorite character, and I think he's most people's favorite characters too. Um, we do, we have a reference to, um, and we see two of them, the HK eighty seven assassin droids. Um, they are originally uh, the very first time we see them in anything Star Wars is. Uh, knights of the old republic which has been referenced before uh, by the show uh, with the crate dragon but uh, it was cool to see um, those make an appearance would have been even cooler if they would have had a chance to call someone a meat bag um, i would have probably just lost my mind if they would have done that um, that would have been cool to get but uh, we didn't quite get that this episode
0: you know i almost did forget about that character um yeah I, they, they have to come out with a remaster of that game like they've been rumored it's 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 got to come out um it should. <laughs> yes so yes, with, with,
1: all,
0: with all the remakes and remasters that that they've been doing um as, you know maybe now is the time with how popular this show is to just bring back something star wars um in terms of video games and a remaster that would be amazing um you know a, again in the in this show, there's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of tie-ins. And one of them, when Mando first goes to see Ahsoka, there is the Convor Owl. Uh, Rob, did you notice that? Or did you know what the significance was of, of that owl when she's sitting in the forest?
1: So I, I have read since then that um, there's definitely a connection to an owl there's some people who even believe um, this might be the same one um, which I think would probably be cool um, I it just I, I'm using some time off of work this week and I, and I probably just need to binge clone Wars and, and rebels and just and just get caught up because it feels like so much of what's happening in Mandalorians pulling from it um, but it does feel like that might be the case
0: yeah it, it definitely feels like it's going to be the same one that has shown up um, which again this Owl has ties to Ezra as well. Um, So they are really going ahead and tying this all together. But also too, like even one like tiny little thing is the entrance to the town where the gate and the bell forms. It's another thing that they've taken from concept art from star Wars and actually used in You know, in shows or in movies, we saw it with the ice spider um, in the previous episode. We now see it from um, this town entrance where it was a concept art that was never used. And we even saw in Rise of Skywalker, the Emperor's Throne was supposed to be used in Return of Return of the Jedi, and it never was. So it, it is really cool to see some of these things coming back in. Because visually, they're really, really great to look at.
1: You know, it makes you wonder what else will be in store for, um, you know, what other canceled ideas never made it to um, to the screen or to the page um, that the Mandalorian will just be like, all right, here you go. You know, we'll we'll give you an interpretation of it. Um, It's one. It's once again, we've talked about this in in previous episodes of this show, um, the Mandalorian is made for everybody to enjoy but it's made by Star Wars superfans to give Star Wars superfans like a warm fuzzy every every time just for for people who love to research these things who really enjoy um just just catching the little details and things like that in the larger tie-ins Um, there's so much to love about this. Um, one of the ones that I saw, um, was a near verbatim description of the force and how it works from Ahsoka to Mando. That's very similar to what Obi-Wan uses to describe it to Luke. Um, you could certainly make the connection that, um, you know, they, they share similar mentor trainer responsibilities. You know, there's, you know, obviously, Uh, Obi-Wan describes it to Luke that way. And it's likely that he described it to Anakin that way. And it's likely that Anakin described it to Ahsoka or they had a conversation about it together that way. Um, It was, was one of the ones that I had caught and thought was kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: Also too, what was interesting to me is, you know, obviously we talked about this in the beginning uh, of this episode where we learn that Groku is, Present during parts of the prequel trilogy, and he was at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Um, but we also get Ahsoka saying she's only known one other member uh, of this race, and that's Master Yoda. And she says his name with some what I can tell is fondness um, because she is very much aware of Yoda um, through the Clone Wars but also during that scene you almost seem you almost see Groku like stirring upon Yoda's name like he recognizes him but there's also it's very very brief but Yoda's theme from the Empire Strikes Back plays during that scene um, and that was really cool because again some of these these themes in Star Wars uh, just you know, they hit with all the feels. So getting that very brief section was super cool.
1: You know, as far as music goes, um, is there anything out there more iconic than star Wars music? You know, you think about the main theme, you think about the Imperial death March, like you hear those and you immediately know what that is. Even something like Duel of the fates, you hear it, you immediately know what it is. It's, it's among the most recognizable iconic music um and and i love that they are incorporating some of that into mandalorian which by the way has its own themes and soundtrack that stand on its own i mean far be it for me to ever truly compare anything to what's made by the great john williams but this is up there too um the the way that they use music throughout this um and if you look back to um, when he's with the other Mandalorians, and it's more of almost like the they're on that pirate mission, um, you know. There's there's different use of keyboards. There's different use of electronic music, um, and then in the first episode of this season, you know, it is very western in its in its overall uh, feel. Um, I love the way they use the music in in this show and in, in Star Wars as a whole. Um, yeah, I caught uh, another um, an, another Easter egg where. Um, if you look back to Anakin's force test compared to uh, Grogu's force test, they both pass, they're both turned down for training, and both of their sort of sponsors uh, are, are not happy about the decision. Um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting dichotomy that was, was very similar, um, and they were turned down for kind of similar reasons, and really, uh, Baby Yoda's turned down because of Anakin. Um, you wonder what would have happened had that played out differently.
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot of parallels. Um, You know, the speech that you said uh, Ahsoka gives is almost word for word to what Obi-Wan says to Luke. Um, And when everything ties together, obviously, Obi-Wan trained Anakin. Anakin trained Ahsoka. Um, So there would be reason to believe he might have used the same phrase that, you know, Obi-Wan told him. Um, but also too, one thing that was kind of funny is the term "laser sword" is brought up again, which it was brought up by young Anakin in the Phantom Menace when he meets Qui Gon, um, because he has no clue about you know the Jedi are still kind of a a mystery in in that movie, and in this universe, there's not a lot known by the Jedi. Um, so it's you know he uh mando calls it a laser sword which to me was funny because it ruffled some feathers when it was first brought up in the fandom menace that it wasn't called a lightsaber but uh, again just little tie-ins little callback things that really parallel um the movies i, I like it just ties everything together
1: and i actually think lucas's original term for the lightsaber was laser sword i believe that was abandoned in a very early draft um and and i think he you know he kept it and brought it into phantom menace and then we see it again here um you know people's ages are very strange you know so like bo katan was in clone wars which was a lot longer ago than maybe what her age shows her to be in in this series you know she looks like she's in her 30s possibly and that was way more than 30 years ago when, when the events of the clone wars take place. Um, You know, so you kind of wonder how old Mando would have been um, when he was, when he was child. We're going to assume he's human. Um, You know, you kind of wonder the the timelines and what you kind of wonder is, is there really any reference left to Jedis? Because essentially Obi-Wan might've been the last one left that we know of, obviously we know Ahsoka is still running around. We believe there's a few more, but in terms of their impact on the galaxy as a whole, there's not a lot of them left after order 66 goes through and, uh, and they get wiped out. Um, so it's very likely that the common person has no reference point at all to who these, uh, sorcerers are as he describes them to the Mandalorian armor. Um, and what their, what their weaponry looks like.
0: Yeah. Um, but we might, again, um, I think it's Ezra who will show up. But how many Jedi will we get in this show? Because, you know, one of the things that Ahsoka says is you need to take him to Tython um, and sit him on top of the Seeing Stone. Um, and we talked about it where if a Jedi's out there and senses him, maybe he'll come. What will we see on this planet? Um, again, this this is a planet that has not really been used in Star Wars lore all that much. It seems like the Mandalorian is really going to change that. Um, but what is on this planet? Are there Jedi text on this planet? Are there, you know... Whatever the case may be, how much are we going to learn about the Jedi on this planet? And maybe we see how many are actually still left, um, even if they don't show up. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see what awaits you know, the viewer when, when they get here.
1: You know, Tython isn't mentioned in a lot of places. However, it has been featured in the uh, Star Wars comic, Dr. Aphra. Um, so it, it is pulling in, you know, now it's, it's grabbing comic lore and, and bringing that in as well. Um, I'd be very curious to see how they do all that. I, I really hope we get a flashback episode of what Baby Yoda was doing at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. How he got out, why he was pulled out, um, and who else is still out there. I, I kind of want to see that as a flashback episode. Um, I want a full hour-long, you know, treatment of of that adventure because I think it's. I think you could do you could probably do a whole season of it really if you wanted to, um, but I w- I would like to see I want to see those events. I want to see it happen, um, and I think we'll probably get it at some point. I think we'll get at least a, a touch of it um, because there's too much. There's too much there. Um, you know, for as much as we want to believe that most of the Jedi were wiped out, um, you know, when the, the clone troopers turned on them, um, there's still plenty of, of references to ones that are still hanging around in other Star Wars uh, fiction that takes place between episodes three and four. Um, you know, certainly the, uh, uh, the Force Unleashed is all about that. Um, and it's, it's a great game. It's a lot of fun and I wish they'd finished the, the trilogy, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, but that, that idea is definitely explored in a lot of star Wars fiction, that there's still a few Jedi here and there that are lurking on the outside. Um, we know master Yoda is still out there. We know Obi-Wan was still out there. Obviously Ahsoka is still out there. Um, there's, there's definitely a few others that are out there.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, the way they've treated Ahsoka in this, uh, in this one episode with her fighting skills. And, uh, I would definitely be on board to see some more Jedi. Um, again, I don't want it to get too far away, um, from what I think this show is, but again, um, I have no reason not to trust what they do with this show and the direction that they're taking it in, um,
1: Well, think about this, Matt. We've gone this whole show and we haven't mentioned the fact that Mando completed one fetch quest only to be given another one at the end of this episode. And we like, we don't even care. Like, it's fine. Like, okay, great. They're going to go on another adventure and we're going to love it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah, it's just insane how you think, you know, Okay. Again, like, I was like, okay, we'll get Ahsoka in this episode. And now we're getting, like you said, we're getting another part of this. And it's just, no, again, nothing seems out of place. Nothing seems like it's it's dragging. Um, but again, it's just like, it's fever pitch for me. Like, even talking about it right now of, boy, you know, because you've got, okay, you still got Boba Fett out there. You now have Thrawn. You have the possibility of Ezra coming in. You have Bo-Katan. You still have Moff Gideon and the Darksaber. Boy, if these things all come together and this is what causes the nucleus here, I don't know how I'm going to be able to even... I might pass out watching the finale of this show because it just might be too much for a Star Wars fan to, to handle. It's like sensory overload, for God's sakes. Next Friday can't
1: get here soon enough.
0: Yeah, it's it, this is almost where I debate <laughs> wanting it to be already out there so like I, I can watch it. But then, yeah, once I start thinking from, you know, day to day about what's coming, I I really still do appreciate that this show gives us a, a week to really digest what we just saw into you know, talk with friends and do this show about what we think might come next, because it's just, it's so exciting. And even some of the things that maybe I thought were coming that haven't, none of it's disappointing. It's just, it's pure excitement thinking about this show, which is great to have for Star Wars, because again, sometimes talking about Star Wars, I've never seen a franchise, we've said it, that hate something more than the people that love it um it it really is a a crazy phenomenon with star wars but boy for me it's it's so much fun um you know i can just and it's giving me to this show which is wild to think that the tv show is doing this Some of the things that I didn't like about the prequel trilogy, some of the things that I didn't like about the sequel trilogy, um, and again, even some of the things about the initial Star Wars, um, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, this show is giving me such an appreciation for this universe that it's almost crazy to me that like I'm in a manner of speaking, like falling in love with star Wars all over again and really just want to go back. And this makes me want to watch the movies again, as bad as they are. I almost want to go back and watch it because now I want to formulate my own thoughts on, especially since we know some of these characters are present, where would this person be? What were they doing? What are, what's going on in this scene? Like almost like a fan fiction you know, episode of okay, this is where I think Groku is in this time frame and in this scene. What's going on? Um, it's just fascinating to me, and it wants me to go back and just watch these things over again.
1: And not only that, because I'll definitely come with you on that idea for sure, but you think about some of the things they've introduced so far and just kind of left, you know, at the end of the first episode of this season we get who we all assume is Boba Fett and he's there and he's clearly got some feelings about what he's just seen. And then it's not mentioned it's we don't get a hint of him. We don't even get a dusting that that guy is going to be coming back anytime soon. And we kind of forget because of how great each episode is and how much new things that we have to consider, especially with what we get here. There are so many different things that we could possibly be confronted with uh, between now and the end of this season. And and we could potentially go the rest of this season and not get paid off on that Boba Fett kind of almost like an end credit scene, really. I don't even care. Like, I'd be fine. Like, maybe he shows up in season three, maybe he doesn't. I don't even care. With what they just gave us this week, there's enough to keep me, the fan, excited and wanting more and, and wanting to see what, where this adventure uh, takes our, our Mando and, and baby Yoda next.
0: Yeah. It's, it is crazy to think about that. You know, yes, we knew um, Ahsoka was going to be here. We knew um, that they were planning on having Boba Fett come back and, But again, who would have thought when we sat there and said, oh, great, Um, Boba Fett's going to be here, that everybody, well, not everybody, but again, I haven't heard complaints from people, but it's wild to think about that. Somebody who was like, oh, my God, we're finally going to see Boba Fett again after a lot of people felt he was unceremoniously, um, you know, supposedly killed in Return of the Jedi, and he was so popular with the Star Wars fans that, yeah, it's just like, well if we see him again good if not i'm sure something will come of it but yeah like you said like i don't care because there's just there's so much more going on that something that seemed like it was going to be a big deal and maybe it still will be um hasn't been because let's face it his appearance in the first episode is super minimal um and yeah, it it they've done so much that it's just like, yeah, okay, like, cool. We'll,
1: we'll, we'll get to it when we do. You wonder how it's even going to matter to the way that the story is being told now. Like, how does that, how does that thread tie in? You know, it's interesting with Boba Fett, he and Darth Maul share so much in common. They are characters who barely speak, have very limited screen time, somehow are universally loved by fans as these crazy badasses who both die in ridiculous ways that everybody universally hates and the characters are beloved so much that they find ways in future TV shows to bring them back.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. i Darth Maul in who man, the, the way that he is brought back and the way he's been, the way he was utilized after the Phantom Menace Um has been awesome and I won't talk too much about it because Rob, that's a lot of spoilers for you. If you start watching some of these shows, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible how they were able to bring him back into the fold and he has really turned into such a, a popular character and a character who, for me and a lot of fans that I have talked to actually starts to garner sympathy, um, from these shows, and even though he's, you know, a, a killer, I mean, he killed Qui-Gon, who was really well-liked from Star Wars fans. You start to actually like him as a character in these shows, which is, is it's a, you know, testament to the writing that these guys have done with, with these characters to make them as popular as they are.
1: You know, if Anna can be redeemed, certainly anybody can be redeemed. Um, we've seen that.
0: Yeah, maybe not Jar Jar. I don't think they can bring him back. Um, no no redemption. I, I I think, uh, I think that is the one guy that, uh, I don't think they could, they could bring back. Um,
1: not even, not even the Mandalorian.
0: uh, Unless the Mandalorian confirms that he was a secret Sith the whole time. I, I still would be willing to listen to that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be willing to go with that fan theory that his stupidity was completely manufactured and he was secretly a Seth. I will similar to how Marvel's going to be doing the what if show on Disney plus, I will take a star Wars. What if with fan theories in place that Jar Jar Binks was secretly a Seth.
1: Um, I think it, I think you almost have to do that to enjoy Episode
0: two, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who? The sad thing is, too, is like Padme puts him in charge, and she's supposed to be this intelligent, strong woman who's presented like that in the first movie, and she just—I I talked about that in my reviews of those movies. Her character arc is is so sad because it's it's a complete one hundred and eighty from how she's presented in the first episode to just oh. I hate talking about it because it's, it's terrible what they did to her. <laughs> Agreed. So, but I, I don't have any other Easter eggs that uh, I'm bringing up. Do you have any further ones that you, that we did not list that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, we, we spent a little bit of time talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily an Easter egg so much as a character we will probably see more of very soon.
0: Yeah. And if, you know, you aren't familiar with him again, you know, you can, I think getting a little bit of his backstory is, you know, obviously that never hurts, but I believe the way they're introducing him, you don't need to see rebels or to have read any of the novels that he is a part of, which again is just, it's showing how well they're developing this show that they're leaning on, you know, media that might not have been consumed by everybody who watches this show but it also doesn't feel like you have to. Uh Rob you you've talked about that before where you don't have to be a Star Wars super fan to enjoy this but being a super fan makes it all that more enjoyable. So uh, again you just you can't say enough about the people who are in charge of this series and what they're doing with it, because to be able to, to have this much of the spectrum covered it is amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, listen, you can watch this show week in and week out just to see what kind of hijinks baby Yoda gets himself into. And and that could be your whole reason to watch the show and you're going to be happy. And you can have memorized every single piece of star Wars lore Um, that's ever been created um, and be very happy watching the show week in and week out. Yeah. Um, So, you know, this has
0: been obviously um, another edition of Mondays with Mando. It's always fun to do these. We certainly look forward to the next week and we appreciate everybody listening. Um, Keep giving your feedback and what you think is going to happen. Um, I I can't wait for the next episode to see where we're going. And, again, just thank you for listening. Catch everything um, on the official Facebook page. Matt Goes to the Movies. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, basically any format where you can get your podcast. You can download this show, listen to previous episodes. Uh, We really appreciate it. And thanks again for listening. Uh, This has been Mondays with Mando.